0: thank you again for being here and for worshiping with us this morning. We are concluding our study in the book of Titus. So we've been in Titus for, uh, I guess it's what, eight or nine weeks uh, now, and uh, we conclude today in chapter number three. And I believe that this study has been uh, just, it's been an incredible study, but as much as anything, it's blown my, my mind, the, the timeliness of this study and how it is just fell right where it's supposed to fall. Uh, I don't know why I should be surprised God is who God is, and, uh, but uh, it's just in the days and age in which we live, this study has been so, so perfect. As we continue today, I'm going to jump backwards to verse number eight. We ended last week in verse number eight. And in verse number 8, it says this, it says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men." So as I go backwards, I really believe that this verse is, it's kind of a uh, a catalyst, I guess, to continue to push us into the rest of this chapter. Um, And as we look at several things, uh, it it says this, it says right inside of there that um, that this is a faithful saying that these, uh, that they which have believed in God. So we're looking at People who have come to a place where they have said yes to God, I believe I have given my life in salvation. So we're, we're looking at those that are that are believing, and it says it says believers which have believed. It says it speaks of maintaining good works. Again, uh, I I say this this is not uh, works that save, but when we come to a place where God transforms and changes our lives, works come out of that. Our actions change and so when God changes the inside the outside actions change as well and it says at the very end of that verse that it says it is profitable unto men so I'm going back to this because I I feel like it's it's important it says these things so if you look at these things if you've been with us uh, I started in chapter number one uh, eight weeks or so ago And we've talked about that the leader, the right leaders have to be put in place. Men that are uh, sound in doctrine, men that are morally and they have godly character and all of those things. We talked about all of that. Dan, uh, Pastor Dan came and followed in chapter two for three weeks looking at having that healthy church and looking at loving each other, looking at uh, serving one another. The the, the older men with the younger men and the older women with the younger women and all of those different things that that Dan had spoke about, being that healthy church, all of these things, that is what is being referenced for. This is a faithful saying, these things I will. And so we kind of look backwards at all of those things, the the good works, the actions that are are being taught that have, have taken place, that transformation of life. From in the church to outside the walls of the church, and I, I really want to focus on. And it says this at the end of this, and this is kind of where I want to. I'll, I'll launch out. These things are good and profitable. Why? It all of these things, faithful saying, uh, those that believe they are why because they are good and they are profitable. It is profitable unto men when we as believers live the life that we're supposed to live when the church is healthy in the manner that it's supposed to be. This passage says it is good and profitable unto men. So most importantly, it's profitable to God when we are living a life, but it's it's profitable for our church but it's profitable unto men. If you go back to last week, what did we talk about? In the beginning of that chapter, it talked about being subject to principalities and powers, to be obedient, to be ready for those good work, to speak no evil, and so on and so forth. We talked about that, and that's very du- tough at these times, to be subject to our governance that we may not like. But it says to do that. Why? Because people are watching us. People are looking to you for stability, they're looking to believers for, for, for calmness, for peace, and for all of these things, and in that it says there at the end there that it is profitable unto men. I can only speak for me in this statement or this thought. There is a lot of things that I have said that I have done that are not profitable to men. Anybody else? I've done and said a lot of things that I probably should have thought, huh, would that be profitable or unprofitable? And there's a lot of times I've had to come back and say, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Because that was really a boneheaded thing to say or do. How many times I've went to my kids and said, hey, I am sorry, dad should not have reacted in such a way. How about this? See, when it comes to profitable uh, there's a lot of things in our lives that we could look back and say, that's not profitable. I shared some of these stories in the first, the 830 service. Uh, profitability, if we were to go backwards, uh, you can, depending on your age, it can vary on how many years you go backwards, but I like to think I'm still, I'm in that, I guess, middle age-ish, you know, I'm at that 40, I'm not quite old, I'm not Quite young. Why are you laughing? I'm not old, am I old? What do you mean? I'm getting there. I've got many years before I'm old, but anyway, I'm not really. I, I'm, I'm in that middle stage. And I was reminded this week with the children at. I, I drove from here on Thursday to go hang out with the kids at camp. Uh, so I got there Thursday. I was supposed to get there around noon time. I got there around three o'clock time because there was an accident just past Baker, and I sat between, have you ever just been angry like that? 35 miles, 35 miles was all I had to go. Three and a half hours later, I got there. Anybody? I just wanted to, oh man, anyway. So I get to camp, and I'm having a good time, I'm saying hello, the kids see me, my children run and give me a hug, and there's a couple of the others, uh, and um, they're not even here today, I'm really angry. Uh, no, Dylan is here, but Lux, this beautiful, cute little Lux was like, pastor, you're just old <laughs> for hours, for like two hours on Thursday night. And then in the morning when I woke up, I had made a comment about something and she's like, oh, you're just old. And I'm like, I am not old. I'm 40 years old. You're so old. You're like 70. And I'm like, Lux, I am not 70. You're like 70, pastor. <laughs> any rate, as we look back in life, I can, again, I'm not that old. I really don't think so. <laughs> we, we go back to, I can think of when I was a kid, and a lot of the really, really dumb things that I did to my body. How many of you wish, like if, and I, don't, I really don't know that I would go back and change it because it was fun at the time, right? But if I were to go back as a child, and I and I used two illustrations. I used an illustration that I jumped on trampolines. We had trampolines. Well, we didn't. My neighbor had a trampoline. We would move the trampoline as close to the shed in the back as we could we would climb on top of the shed jump off of the shed onto the trampoline to be bounced as high as we could bounce probably not intelligent not very profitable for my body today my knees and my back and all of those things right that was one thing but i went to another friend's house and we moved it to his garage I saw over his two-story house, not a lie, very dumb. I say that because there's things that we've done in our lives that are probably not the most profitable. I don't know if mom's ever heard that story before. (laughs) It's always good when you speak and your parents are in the room. It's even worse when your children hear it because we have a trampoline in our backyard. But there was a lot of things that I did many years ago that really probably weren't profitable for my physical body cuz we look back and we're like oh the aches and the pains and all the things well that happens a lot of well it's just aging but a lot of it's just from being not too bright when we were young what is profitable and this passage says these things these good things all of these actions of loving God and serving and having the grace that changes us that is those are profitable unto men See the series has been very encouraging in many ways. I would say if anything this series has challenged me personally to do a greater job of and having a greater emphasis of living out my faith in every aspect of my life. That I would live it out. The title of the series and the title of my sermon really is the same today is life-changing grace for world-changing action. Life-changing grace is this. God the grace is God doing in and through and for you that which you could not do on your own. It's that that God has offered something, God has done something is doing something that we do not deserve. And as I look out, I'm pretty sure that everybody in this room understands that, but that grace has to be accepted by man. See, there's people that will never come to a place and say, "Yes, I follow you, Jesus. Yes, I make you the Lord of my life. Yes, I will accept that. There's many that will never do that. But when we come to that place and we say yes to the Father and we accept that life-changing grace, when we come to the place where the the love of God so wraps us up that there's nothing else that we can do but bow before Him and say, God, I need You and I'm willing to confess those sins and give You my life, that life-changing grace transforms me into world-changing action. I've said it in we've heard it many times but this this world needs jesus have we we've heard these things right we need a little more god in our society we need more jesus we need more prayer we need all of those things but i ask you this question and i've said this for as long as i've been alive i've heard the same thing but i say this often and i've said it many times if the world needs jesus who and how does that who does that deal with and how does that happen the only way the world can see jesus is as we live that out and we have a transformation of our life and then the actions come with that see the problem is this the church oftentimes is the church in the building but not out of the building See, we we wear the faith in the building, but when we leave, it never goes with us. Listen, world-changing action happens as God's grace comes in, transforms me from the inside. I don't believe that Aaron Flanagan will be be a world-changer. It could happen. I mean, God could use me to do some crazy things, to speak all over the world, and to do kinds all kinds of crazy stuff. It could happen. But the reality is this. I'm a pastor right here. The world-changing things that are going to happen for me are right here. My world changed when God came into my life. And because of that, here's the, here's the, the, the reciprocal effect of that is I have a wife and I pray that I'm an impact to my wife that I encourage her to love God in a greater manner I have four children and I love my four children and I I pray that because of my wife and I's faith in God because of our actions because of the things that we do that they will love God with everything in their being I don't know if my son will be the next pastor of Oasis Baptist Church one day I have no idea. To be quite honest, I don't want to say this in a callous way, I don't care if my son is the next pastor of Oasis Baptist Church. If my son loves God with all of his heart and serves him in any capacity, that's my desire. That is the world-changing action that took place from me loving God. Where did that happen? That took place because mom and dad loved God, and they then gave that to me, which actually took place because somebody in their lives loved God and had a world-changing action. That's how it happens. When the grace of God, the life-changing grace of God comes in, The world change that happens is really just right here. I'm not talking about Oasis Baptist Church literally changing the world. But I believe that you can be a part of changing your world. Why not go into your neighbor? I say this all the time, right? It's you. It's your family. It's your home. It's your neighborhood. It's your community. It's your city. It's our state. It it, it starts here, though. It starts here. That world-changing action is eternal and meaningful that happens in light of the gospel. When the gospel permeates our lives, we begin to make dramatic internal changes that ultimately begin to change our world. And that decision that you have made to follow Jesus is... The start of many things see this entire series has really been it's been heavy on relationships it's been heavy on the the, the impact of the church of of us taking responsibility the the, the st- the reality that there has to be a a man that is leading the church that is striving to be doctrinally sound that is biblically sound that is living a life that is exemplary that is a above reproach as God's word says and we saw all that in chapter one we saw that it's it's a life that we are to take responsibility for our own Christian walk inside of the church and that uh, that that the reality is I have a job to do to give and to teach and to lead. But you have a job to do to be responsible for all of that. I can't do all of the things in the church. Pastor Dan can't do all the things in the church. It can't just be our families and uh, we're the ones who disciple and we're the ones who uh, lead in this and we're the ones who do that and we're the ones who go to the hospital and we're the ones who make the phone call and we're the ones that do the da-da-da-da-da. No, it has to be the body and therefore we have to take responsibility. I cannot disciple the 250 people or 300 people that are on our church roster? I can't. Never could it happen. However, but Murray, you could take a couple, and, and we can go through, and Danny can take a couple, and John can take a couple, and Andrew can take a couple, and Ben could take a couple, and we can go down the list of how that works, but it's, it takes me to have that commitment and responsibility. Nonetheless, as we get into this today, we see, as we wrap up, Paul Really, kind of gives an an admonishment. He gives a challenge. He gives a hey uh, a, a warning. Because if these things don't happen, then this will never happen over here as a church. And so I pray this morning as we get into the the rest of chapter number three, that we look at that profitable, and as we'll see in verse number nine. These are the things that are unprofitable. And so, join me, Titus chapter 3, verse number 9, this morning. And it says this, But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject him knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. When I shall send Artemis unto thee or to Caicus, but be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zanus the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me, salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Father, I come to you today, and I pray that you would use this passage of Scripture to challenge us, to pierce our hearts. And Lord, as we look at it, that we would be grounded, that we would be guarded uh, as a church, that we would seek you in all of these things. And God, that you would be glorified in it. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. A simple thought this morning. In order to be a part of world change, we must avoid foolishness. In order to be a part of world change, we must avoid foolishness. The sad reality about all of our lives and about people is this. People are messy. Did you know that? Did you know that people are messy? Sometimes people are gross. And it's not fun, and it's not always encouraging, and it's not always joyful. My wife went to Walmart on Friday. I really shouldn't have to say anything else. Apparently, when the coronavirus hits, Walmart becomes that much more crazy and weird. Mindy goes to Walmart. And she texts me as I'm driving back from camp. And she said, it's not a good people day. She's in Walmart. Now you have directional areas of where you can walk in Walmart. Only in some of the store. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Apparently she was going the wrong way. And grandpa did not like that she was going the wrong way. You're going against the arrows, ma'am. Thank you. She went to Costco, and the gentleman that was at the end of her aisle when she was checking out, I don't know, you'll have to talk to her about the whole story, but apparently Everybody that was there thought that this guy and his, they were done and they were leaving. So he's down here, all of his stuff is boxed up. And then he came back to like where the pay area was and proceeded to yell at the guy that was now six feet in his little bubble. People are messy and it's not always nice to be around people. I say this sometimes after different days and different moments and different things that I'll say I just don't like people I'll at at, at times I will make this comment why do I do what I do because sometimes it's just not fun and it's just not nice people are messy and listen the reality is that's outside of the world of church when you come into the world of church sometimes the mess just got bigger it shouldn't but it often does People are messy. And when we come here to this passage of scripture, Paul says, "But avoid foolish questions and genealogies. Avoid the disputes, avoid the contention, avoid the the strivings of the law. Avoid these things," and he says because these are unprofitable. We talked last week about a lot of the things governing and a lot of these different things, and we talked about them and how we need to act. Do you know why we act in that manner? Because when we act proper, it is profitable. When we don't, today it says it is unprofitable. Have you ever gotten in an argument with somebody left the argument and thought that was the biggest waste of the last hour of my life? But guess what? We allowed ourselves to do it. You see, Paul says, basically guard ourselves, leave it. Flee those things. Do not stay there. Do not hang out there. He says to leave it. In Titus chapter 1, it says this. There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. They already knew. We already know this. There's a lot of them there. Listen, I would tell you this same thing. There's a lot of them here in Las Vegas as well. This wasn't special to Crete. It wasn't special to just the, the biblical days, but there was a lot of people that were desiring to do some of these things. And Paul said to shun them. Paul says to avoid them. Paul says to purposefully turn from them for they were a hindrance to the truth of the gospel. They discredit the gospel. They are not profitable. Avoid them. Avoid It says, excuse me, foolish questions and genealogies. Avoid controversies or debates. I wonder if, before we got into some of our conversations, debates, arguments, if we would think, is this profitable to the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many conversations that we would leave See, it's, as we're looking at this, it speaks of becoming involved in futile arguments about matters of philosophy or even theology that are based on human reasoning and the imagination rather than God's Word, for they are unprofitable. They are fruitless. I, don't, I, I can say that I've not had a great amount of experience, if you will, of just lots of people being False teachers and coming to engage me in great discussion. We have not had a lot of dissension in our church where it's somebody with this crazy radical thought that's coming in and trying to seduce or deceive people into thinking the way that they are thinking in a false manner. We've been fortunate in that, but there's been many times where I have been in the midst of conversation or evangelism, if you will. Where I've had to go, uh, this is not going anywhere because this is not a, a true discussion of evangelism. This is just an argument, this is just a fight. And so, God's word in, in Timothy tells us, he says, we must be diligent presenting ourselves approved unto God, a workman not to be ashamed accurately or rightly handling the word of God, avoiding worldly chatter. Why? Because it leads to ungodliness. We have to be guarded about those discussions. He comes in, he he makes reference to genealogies. I don't know how many of you, have anybody ever gotten a fight about genealogies? No, because today we really don't talk about that. We don't talk about that, but in that day, that was extremely important. The genealogy of the Bible is very, very important. Because if you mess up one little thing here, guess what? Jesus wasn't born of a Virgin Mary in the bloodline that they said that it was happening. That's a pretty big deal, because now Jesus is no longer perfect and God. So back then, those were things that were discussed. And he says, avoid those things because there was teachers after the apostles had left that had come in and began to teach some of these false genealogies that were wrong. Hey, don't engage in that stuff. Don't argue over those things. I would tell you the same thing. There are certain things, do not argue and engage in, that are worthless because they don't profit the Lord strifes contentions strivings about the law there's an idea of self-centered rivalry and an idea of contention toward the truth these are unprofitable don't argue with them about the these things don't engage in worthless discussions for you will only be brought down with them i'm pretty sure there's a lot of that spoke of in proverbs right they don't open your mouth sometimes Don't argue with somebody that's just giving a bunch of junk because you're going to now look just like them. You're going to be in the mud with them. It's one thing to share and discuss. It's another thing altogether to argue and contend with one another. See, this is talking about arguing theology and doctrine or morality with those who distort or disregard God's word because it's unavoidably fruitless. Don't do it. I'm not saying you can't have an educational conversation with somebody. There's a difference. There's a difference in somebody that just wants to contend and fight with you in your faith than somebody that's genuinely having a conversation and an educational discussion. God's word, Paul is saying, don't engage there. Avoid it. Run. Flee. He goes on in verse 10-11 a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition. Uh, The tone changes a little bit, but it talks about, uh, again, the same same thoughts, that how dangerous it is that somebody is going to come and spread some of these things and speak of these things, and he talks of those things. But really what we're looking at is beyond that. Paul is going further than just somebody coming and teaching. He goes to the point of divisiveness, disruptive. Avoid them, flee from them. Listen, there's one way that the church falls and it's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. When we feel that we can accept and and listen to the gossip and bring in the division and bring in all of these things and the divisiveness that happens that's where the things happen. Why is it inside of our walls, inside of these conversations that we can laugh and make a joke about churches splitting over the color of a carpet? It's sad. But it happens all the time. Do you know how absolute? how many of you have ever listened to your children argue and then looked at them and said, do you know how silly that argument was? Do you realize that churches have closed doors because of the color of a carpet or whether you wear a, or use a pew or a chair? And we kind of joke about it in the church. We joke about, oh, huh, we're going to go to a business meeting. I wonder who's going to show up tonight. Paul says, avoid it. Run from it. Get away from it. Deal with it. Guard yourselves. Listen, church, if we want to make a world-changing actions outside of the walls, which is the only way that that can happen, is when we take it from here and go out there, we have to not allow those things here. There is no division not happening here. You want to do that mess? Go out there. But so many times we listen to the gossip and we listen to the thing and then all of a sudden we're drawn in. It speaks of that 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 is that is it's it's our natural man. Are you more interested in what's going on in everyone's little bubbles of life? That's a problem it's a big problem. I praise God. I've been here for 14 years at Oasis. I'm just shy of 14 years I've been at Oasis Baptist Church. The last seven as the lead pastor. I praise God that we've had some things. There was stuff in the day, but I'm glad it's gone, and I'm glad the last seven years we've had a unified front. I'm glad the last business meeting that we leave and every business meeting that I've been in and led that we have had laughter and we have had discussion and we've been able to look at numbers and we've been able to see what's going on and we've walked out the doors unified and we've seen those same people come back the next time. We have to be guarded. We have to. You know it's it says at the end of that verse number 10. It says, after the first and second admonition, reject them. It's kind of harsh. (laughs) Hey, I told you once that you're not going to have that conversation at this church. Let's not do that again. The next time, hey, sir, do we remember the conversation? We're not doing that at this church. We'll talk to you later. That's crazy. I'm glad I've never had to have that conversation because I don't know how I would handle it. But that's what God's word says. We are not to allow them to come back and to come back and to come back because we're not destroying what God has built. So, as we look at this, what does it say in Romans 16? I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Mark them and avoid them. Man, that's hard. But we have to. We have to guard ourselves. We have to guard the church. Romans chapter 12. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. We've got to be united. We've got to uh, move forward as a united front. And Paul was writing and Paul was reminding and Paul was saying, hey, these are all awesome. These are all things that we need to do. We need to do those things. We have to have the right leadership. We have to be a healthy church. We have to uh, handle and look at the government. We have to go outside of the walls and be all of these things that is profitable this here he says in verse 9 but avoid hey avoid these things be guarded because these things will destroy because it is unprofitable my last two points are longer than the first one and no, I'm just kidding my last two points are very short and simple here but in order to be a part of world change we have to avoid foolishness but we also have to support and love one another see paul came to him in verse number 12 when i shall send artemis unto thee or to kycus be diligent to come unto me to nicopolis paul was saying hey these guys are coming and when they come through treat them and love them and uh, and and hey why don't you can even come to me i'm going to be in nicopolis you can send them you can come join them join me let's we'll worship we'll fellowship we'll do those things together and he says at the end of verse number 13, he says that nothing be wanting unto them. Hey, these guys are going to pass through. These guys are going to be doing these things. And I, I'm pleading with you, I'm asking you as a church, as the body of Christ, that you would be together, united, making sure that they are cared for. Making sure that they don't have a need when they leave. That they are loved well. They are supported. See, there's a lot inside of this. And I... We don't know some things, but he asks Titus of these two things. Come and visit me and care for these men, Artemis and Tychicus. We know a little bit about Tychicus. We know absolutely nothing about Artemis. Tychicus was in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, Paul said this, Tychicus, a b- beloved brother, a faithful minister in the Lord, he shall make known to you all things. Uh, He accompanied Paul on missionary journeys uh, from Corinth to Asia Minor. He delivered a letter to Colossae. Most likely, he was the the one that delivered the letter to uh, Ephesus. But as far as Artemis, we don't know really anything other than Paul trusted him to be a teacher and a godly man Uh, assuming that he would have been some form of a leader, assuming that maybe Paul was a a mentor, a discipler of his, uh, and he was discipling him. We don't know, but he says to love them, care for them. He says to help Zenos, that nothing would be lacking. He says, Titus, would you make sure that you and your church care for these people? I would say to you as a church it may be we could put it in the, in the terms of missionaries that walk through the doors and that we do our best to care for them and I believe that we do a good job of caring for people but I wonder sometimes do we and are we willing to do everything that we can to make sure that people would leave with the those needs being cared for. Because he said it, again, these are visitors walking through, but he said that nothing be wanting unto them. That they would not lack in anything. I wonder sometimes, I, I truly believe with everything in my being, I love Oasis. I believe that we have an incredible family of believers that genuinely love each other, that genuinely care for each other, that are there and lift each other up. I believe that we are united. But as I look out and I see the community and I see the world in which we live I plead with you is there anything inside of this body is there anyone that would say but I'm lacking in these things that we can help in and that we don't do we care listen we're living in a day and age where everybody says go in your room and don't leave I'm telling you right now, you know it as well as I do. Addictions are through the roof. Abuse is through the roof. Suicide is through the roof. Life is not the easiest that it's ever been for a lot of people because you're isolated, because we're in our own little corners and don't talk to me and stay so many feet away from me and doing all those things. And there's certain precautions that we can look at, and I'm not talking negative on any of that. But what I am saying is people need people And I'm asking you as a church, do we love and care? And are we on the phone? Are we reaching out to say, are you lacking in anything? Are we doing those things? Paul said, here, make sure that you care and support and love and make sure that they lack in nothing. And lastly, he says, or I would say, in order for us to be a part of world change, we must engage in good deeds. See, so much of this whole entire book has really pushed us to that. It's pushed us that as we have grown into our our doctrine, as we have understood that peace, that God would transform, that we would live a life of transformation. Out of a life of transformation, then comes the actions that are honorable and pleasing unto him. That are profitable unto men. He closes out, Let ours also learn to maintain good works. Let ours, let those that are here, let us do the right thing for necessary uses, for those urgent needs, for those things that have to be done that they may not be unfruitful. All that we are with me, salute. I greet you. Greet them that love us in the faith. Love one another. Greet one another. I'm telling you, I, I, one of the hardest things of this whole last several months is just that. I miss the hugs, people walking out the door. I miss the, the handshakes. I miss the, the conversations. I miss the fellowship. We've missed all of those things. And all I can encourage you with today in some of this is that we as a church, we would, one, there's certain things that, that That's fine whatever it is it is that we're living in today but we have got to be the church for one another we have got to commit ourselves to him I believe there's going to be a uh, how do I say it in a a manner that's not I believe through this we're going to see a lot of things (laughs) In the church. You're going to see those that are committed. You're going to see some that are legitimately just have health concerns and they're staying away, but you're going to see a large portion of people from the church that are in seventh heaven because the excuse of whatever that they always had to not go to church has been given to them. And now we sit back and we, I sit idly by, well, I'm afraid of blah, blah, blah. So now I can sit home and watch TV. And I'm not beating anybody up. I'm not questioning anybody. I will not do that. But I do believe that we will see. Because here's, here's, uh, I got to be careful. We are in such a time of need for the church, for the body to be the body of Christ, to live out the gospel, to be all that we've talked about for several weeks. We are in such a place, I said it at the beginning of March, now is the time that the church needs to rise up and be the church. And many in the church are comfortable sitting at home doing nothing because now it's acceptable to do and we're going to see a division in that. I truly believe that as this continues to move forward. I don't, I'm asking you, church, will we be the church? Will we rise up? Will we be committed to one another? Will you be committed not to make sure that somebody has a meal, not to make sure that somebody has this thing and that thing, the physical need need cared for those are all important but I'm talking would we be the church will you be committed to reach out to the person that's on the other side of the aisle and say hey can we do some discipleship hey can we go a little deeper in a friendship hey would you be willing to come over to the house I know that some of those things are taboo right now but that's what's needed we have got to be the church We've got to figure out a way that we can engage in a time when we're being told not to. We have to. We have to. I'm asking you, as your pastor, will you join with me Will you join with my wife? Will you join with Pastor Dan and Rachel? Will you say, I am committed that this is my family. These are the people that I love. These are the people that I'm doing life with. This is the place that I am growing spiritually, that my family is growing spiritually in. And I'm unwilling to watch stuff fall by the wayside and watch people fall through the cracks. I'm unwilling because I'm going to commit Because that's what a lot of this whole book is about. I've got to live out this Christian life. I can't sit back anymore. I can't sit back. We don't have time to sit back. I'm not one that says the end is tomorrow, but I'm I am one to say this if we're not ready, and there's a lot of people unready. And my job is to press on to be prepared and to tell everybody else in it, or about it. Am I doing that? Am I committed? Are we committed? I wonder, are you committed to reaching out to whomever that might be? I wonder if you are fully committed in your faith, or is it just something that you put on whenever it's comfortable and convenient? And I wonder today if You either sit here or you're watching online. If you have ever come to a place where you've accepted the grace that has been offered to you from God. Maybe you have never fully surrendered your life to him in salvation. I plead with you. As a believer, I plead with you to say, I'm committed. You might even say, Pastor, I don't know how to disciple but I've been, a church, or been in church for a long time. You might say, Pastor, I'm unsure. I don't even know who to talk to. Hey, I would love to put you with somebody. Maybe you would just say, Pastor, I, I've walked the walk, or I've, I've played the game a really long time. I know what to say. I know where to go and how to go and what to do and all of those things. But I have not been committed and surrendered in my faith every single day. Maybe today's the day that you would say, I'm done with that. Maybe today you would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. and I know that He's given me so much grace and mercy, but yet I've never just accepted it. And I've never confessed my sin, and I've never asked for forgiveness, but today is a day that I desire to say yes to Him. We just want to thank you again for joining us today. We pray that the service has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. Here at Oasis, we have a desire to walk alongside of you, to be a partner in your walk with the Lord. So if you have made any decision today, we would love to pray with and celebrate that with you. So will you please take a moment and fill out that connect form or text decision to the number provided below. Oasis is supported by the faithful people like you. So if you have a desire to give to the ministry and mission of Oasis, you can text GIVE to the number provided below, click on the GIVE link, or mail in your gift to the church office. Lastly, we have a desire to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, you can email us at prayer at oasislv.church. Church, Church, as we continue our study in the book of Titus, I pray that this life-changing grace will drive you to this world-changing action as a passionate follower of Christ.